0: Now, before we kick into today's podcast, you may have heard, or maybe not just yet, but I have some very special news. I have been nominated and selected as a finalist in some of Australia's top business awards for female entrepreneurs. And for some of those, there is a People's Choice category, which is your opportunity to use your vote to let the judges know that you find value in what I share in the programs that I offer and all of the free resources that I put out there into the world. And it would mean the world to me if you would hit pause right now and head over to donahan.com forward slash vote, where you'll find a list of all the awards and the categories and you can place your vote. I would be so super, super grateful If you're able to do that for me today. So much about being in business is about mindset. You can have all the technical business skills, but when faced with a challenge or when you're leveling up through a growth phase, if you haven't got the mindset tools to work with, you can completely unravel or even freeze. My guest today is Nadine Champion. And yes, she is actually a champion in more ways than one. And yes, that is her real name. (laughs) What you'll listen and you'll learn about in this podcast is that Nadine is a professional speaker and mindset coach with 35 years of experience in martial arts with a huge passion for teaching people how to create the mental edge for competitive success in business and in life. Her wholehearted mission is to teach women how to find the resilience to get up, leave life's dressing room, and courageously create a life they absolutely love. Nadine spends her days teaching women how to seize life-changing moments and I say hell yes to that. Today Nadine and I chat about small moments in life that can become huge opportunities like how she accidentally fell into a career in speaking after being invited to take the stage at the Sydney Opera House to present a TEDx talk. We also talk about courage, resilience The importance of having mentors, and how, as women, we can be in each other's corners. Hello, I'm Donna Han, a business coach and an online course creator, and this is the She's in Business podcast. You can think of me as your business bestie, who's a few steps ahead of where you are right now. As a mum fueled with ambition and determination, I've created and sold three businesses, I've learnt the lessons, made mistakes, and I understand the daily juggle and the hustle. I also know what it's like when relationships fray and burnout taps you on the shoulder. That was my world until I reshaped and transformed the way I ran my six-figure business. Today, I help women to transform their businesses and go from being the overwhelmed entrepreneur to becoming the thriving entrepreneur, feeling energized, empowered, and fulfilled within their business lifestyle. I want to inspire your business journey and help you to stop spinning your wheels because I want you to burn bright instead of burning out. And I'll invite other entrepreneurs to share their real life stories too, because I want you to know that you're not alone. You can be the savvy entrepreneur that you were born to be and enjoy the freedom to do the things and be present with the people that mean the most to you. So if you're ready to rise to the next level and build a business by design, this is the She's in Business podcast for mums who are made for more. Welcome to another episode of the She's in Business podcast. Today, we are joined by an amazing guest, Nadine Champion. I would love you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business journey, if you would, please.
1: Oh, straight in there. Well, thank you very much for having me. I am thrilled to be invited to spend a bit of time with you and your listeners. My business background and my sort of life background started when I was a little kid. I started doing martial arts. And like all little kids, I thought that was just going to be my my thing that I did in primary school. But it turned into a bit of a lifelong adventure for me. And it saw me going into what little martial artists go into. So I had a little stint as a bodyguard, as a martial arts teacher, lots of different kind of areas that were somehow linked to that kind of interest and, and what I thought was a hobby at the time. But it turned out to be such a massive part of my life. And like many people, I'm sure there'll be people listening that relate to this, I wasn't sure if it should be a hobby or a business. And then the opportunity came to be both. And I think I went quite hard into it, self-employed as like a personal trainer, but mostly focused on teaching people kickboxing and martial arts and the mindset piece that goes with looking after ourselves, whether we're learning a skill or just looking after our health. And I was crazy busy for nearly 10 years and booked out and building this business and thriving and yay and making money. And then I got cancer Um, and that was eight years ago. So that effectively overnight took away competing as a kickboxer. So it took away my sport, which was also credibility for my business. It took away my business because the day that I got diagnosed, and this is different for everybody, I reassessed my values. And I had spent so much time and energy building my business up. And for me, in that moment, I went, I just want to rest and look after myself instead of working my butt off. And I think that, that there's a thing apparently now called the great reevaluation that's happening in, in business where people are, thanks to COVID, reevaluating their lives. From that perspective of change, like things have changed. Do I also change or do I just try to change back? to what I was before. And sometimes say in my case, that wasn't really an option. So when things won't kind of go back in the box that they came in, you have to think of, I guess the the common word is a pivot. Uh, You have to think of a different way to go. And for me, that led my business into a whole new direction. And there's a whole story behind that, I'm sure we'll get to, but it, it changed the direction of my business. But really what happened was it got to the point of what I was doing anyway. So there's a thing I'm sure you've heard in business before of what are you really selling? What your services are may not be what you're actually, what people are buying from you. And there was a very external focus to my business at that point. But the thing that really mattered to me was what we call internal training. So that was all of the mindset piece, the spirit behind what we do. So in martial arts, it's the fighting spirit. But I know, especially having little people at home, We all have a bit of lioness, a bit of fighting spirit if it came to looking after them because you think I would never yell at anyone or swap them or anything, but when it comes to looking after your kids, what wouldn't you do? So we all have a bit of spirit behind hopefully the meaning and purpose of, of why we're doing the things that we do, whether that's personally or professionally.
0: Yeah, I love that. So tell us now a little bit about how you've evolved into this new business that, or whether it's a brand new business, I'm not sure, but what you do now is quite different to what you just kind of explored and explained to us.
1: Yeah, it's funny because it's the same. It just is in a different box, but it's exactly the same. So what I didn't realise in all those years of serving my client as a trainer and a teacher, I always knew that the part where we talked about how we felt about what we were doing and how we felt about going to work and how we felt about ourselves, the way we perceived what we were capable of, the things that we'd put our hands up to try or to to back away from because we wanted to stay in our comfort zone. I knew all of that stuff was really important to me and my teacher had very deliberately taught me a whole series of mindset principles over about 25 years. So that was the bit that was really the juice for me in what I did, like the physical part of it. Great. That was a way to communicate with each other. But that was the bit that had the most meaning for me. What I found out when I got sick was that was the bit that had the most meaning for the people around me as well. And kind of the piece that was missing, even the the chemo and things, the treatment I had, they teach you which drugs to take. They don't teach you how to deal with it emotionally how to get through it mentally, how to rebuild after a big setback. So I came out the other side of that treatment very keenly aware that people didn't have that, deeply grateful for the lessons that I'd learnt in this other package over years that I'd started to really use heavily during my own treatment and then standing in the rubble of my life afterwards going, oh, my goodness, what do I do now? And I'm sure there's lots of people post-COVID or during COVID that are having similar feelings to that. Things have changed. What do you do so i found out very quickly i couldn't go back to doing what i used to do because things had changed for me physically so i started thinking for an answer to the question which was the only thing my teacher said to me when i was sick which is what what will you do with this really easy to answer when it's a good thing really hard to answer when what you've just been through is a really challenging thing so i didn't know what i was going to do with it but he there's a concept that he taught me called change your thinking which is when you can't control what's happening, when you can't control the outcome of a situation, when you can't control that someone else is being difficult, all of these, this massive loss of control that we've all experienced in the last few years, he said the only thing you can be responsible for often is your own response to the situation. So changing your thinking may not change the external situation, but it will change your experience of you in that situation or your experience of what's happening. One thing I'd love to share with your listeners about business is we often think that the big thing, the next opportunity, the right thing is going to come at this very significant moment and we're going to know it's happening and it's going to be when we put in for that proposal or we go for a new role or we make a decision to partner with someone. The biggest, most influential moments in my business life have happened very subtly, either in a private conversation that I had with myself at home that no one else is ever privy to about what's possible for me. Who am I? What am I worth? Where am I going? Those moments are life-changing. And the biggest pivot point for me happened over a coffee with one of my students that I've been teaching for years. She said, would you ever talk about the principles that you teach us publicly? And I was like, oh, I suppose I don't think anyone would be very interested in all the martial arts stuff we do. And she's like, oh, no, no, they would. And when my student said to me, would you, would you ever do a TEDx talk if you had the chance? My next word changed my life completely. Just casually over a coffee. And I didn't even realize what we were really talking about. I said, yeah, I suppose so. If I had the chance, I'd do a talk, but not ever thinking in any realistic way that would happen. I look back on that conversation and I just casually said, yes. The next thing, things start changing. We have a phone call for an hour with someone from TEDx. They said, what would you talk about if you could talk about something? Like it's ideas worth spreading. And I was like, uh, well, I realized like I have a real Mr. Miyagi in my life. Those little things become dreams. Like when I was a kid, I had dreams about that movie. Like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to have a Mr. Miyagi? Wouldn't it be amazing to win a big tournament and look over at your teacher and see the pride and... We forget what our dreams are. The part of what I work on now as a mindset coach is teaching people how to dream again because life is hard. Things go right and they go wrong and it's exhausting and we have a lot of responsibilities. We get pulled in 10 different directions. Where's the time for dreaming?
0: Yeah, that's it. And I think too, like just on that point is when you step into the zone of becoming a mum, there's a period of time there where it's not about you. It's about the baby. It's about like, how do I adapt to this new season of my life? I'm responsible for this little person and everything becomes about them. And then there are moments when you suddenly go, well, well who the fuck am I now? Like I have put everything into this person. I've now become a mum. I'm not just Donna anymore. I'm now someone's mum. And so I think sometimes It can happen that we stop dreaming at different points in our life. And I think one of those is when you do become a mum, you're more dreaming about the life that you're creating for this little person. And sometimes we stop thinking about, well, what what is the dream for me? What are my ambitions? What do I want to do? And a lot of the women that I now work with and who listen to this podcast have either journeyed through that and have come out the other side and gone, I want to be a business owner and this is what I want to do. Or maybe they're currently... Sort of stuck in that, and they're listening, going, I think I want to be a business owner, but am I good enough for that? Do I have the courage to do that? Where do I even start? Who would want that? Like exactly what you're sort of saying in part of your journey. And I certainly went through that journey as well. I think when I realized that I wanted to move away from being a dance studio owner again, as a little girl, it was I was a dancer, it was my hobby, and then it became the business and the hobby. And then you go entered into a really tricky time. And it was just at the beginning of COVID where my relationship broke down and we separated for a period of time. We're repaired now and everything's really great. It's better than it ever was. But in that moment, it was like, okay, what do I want? When I strip away everything else and I take off all of the hats and it's just me, what's filling me up? What what do I want to do? And it's interesting that you raised that because I think if we ignore it and we push it down, it can be really damaging and at that time I read Glennon Doyle's book Untamed it's incredible so anyone listening grab yeah yeah you're in a cheetah like amazing and as you're telling your story I'm like that's coming up for me
1: this is the thing though Donna like we find our Mr Miyagi's all over the place I always want to be a student so I'm a black belt but I've got to have a white belt mindset all the time so I find like Glennon's one of my Mr Miyagi's Renee Brown, like we said before, another one of my teachers, because we need them to counterbalance that part of me that goes, like you said, am I good enough? Could I do that? Like we need to be, I consciously inspire myself through making sure I'm learning, growing, hearing good messages all the time, because we all have a big mental freeway. They reckon we have between I think the conservative estimate is 6,000, but I am more in the camp of the advanced estimate of 69,000 thoughts a day. So we're standing on the edge of this mental freeway and there's so much traffic noise going through everybody's brain all day, especially when you're juggling multiple hats. We have an 11-year-old, so there's the the 11-year-old hat, there's the business hat, there's the what have I got to make for breakfast hat, there's the got to do my taxes.
0: Yeah. So what is it that then, like when you're on the side of that mental highway and there's stuff going back and forth, back and forth, What is it that you teach in your methodology around like what to allow in and what to kind of just let pass you by? How do we navigate that when it can be so loud, like especially those negative thoughts that self-doubt can be so loud? How do we let those ones pass us by and not get sucked into kind of spiraling down into that pit?
1: The higher level and is practices like meditation help us to realize we're not our thoughts so we're the thinker of the thoughts this is not my not my wording it's something I've learned I can't claim wisdom for that one but I used to think my the things that I thought and the feelings that I felt were me but they're just things that go through our heads and hearts so I'm a big fan of trying to stand on the side of the freeway and watch that self-doubt car go by without having to jump in the car and drive off in it and take that on as my persona for the day. Or worse still, you see it coming. It's the giant self-doubt imposter syndrome Mac truck and you see it coming and you walk consciously out in front of it and let it mow you down for the 57th time this year. and it becomes a habit. So that the high level answer is trying to create separation between the things that we think and who we are because our thoughts change all the time. like this is my favorite jumper some days. I love this jumper. And then other days I'm like, I hate that jumper. (laughs) I'm never wearing it again. Our thoughts change constantly. So it's just recognizing that something that feels true today may not actually be your truth. It's just a familiar car that drives around the neighborhood. The more fundamental response to that question is you are who you say you are. I am who I tell myself I am. You are who you tell yourself you are. You have a choice in the matter. That was news to me. News to many people that I work with that if I constantly buy into or get run over by that same car that goes, you could do that, but you probably shouldn't, shouldn't even try because you probably won't work out. That's a really normal thought. I have those thoughts too.
0: And I think a lot of business owners have those thoughts. Like if you're at the beginning of the business journey, or you're looking at leveling up into doing something different or diversifying what it is that you do, those are the thoughts that, hit you.
1: Yes. And that I'm a courage and resilience speaker now. So I'm a firm believer in you can't have courage without fear. So part of the price of admission to growth and creating in your life and making changes and making things more awesome is often a bit of self-doubt. Like you don't get the brave yay bit without the, oh my goodness, I'm scared of this bit. I talk about risk. So If I let myself kind of want something, I kind of want my business to succeed, I'm only risking a bit. We're going to invoke the Brene again. (laughs) If you let yourself want something wholeheartedly, we put our heart and souls into business or into raising kids. Or when you let yourself really want something, you just expanded your risk level massively, which is what encourages us internally to play smaller.
0: Yeah, because it's that human design in us going, well, we have to protect ourselves and we have to stay safe and stepping out of our comfort zone. That's where growth doesn't sit in comfort because when we do step out of our comfort zone, it's bloody scary because you feel like you're out there for everybody to see and they're going to see you fail
1: (laughs) miserably. It's easier to fail in your bedroom when no one can see you or at home in front of the telly. Well, it's really hard to put yourself out there.
0: Yeah, and being a business owner is really about putting yourself out
1: there. 100%. You're taking big swings. So knowing that it's natural to want to play smaller to avoid the discomfort of risk, failure, pain, all of those things. I think it's a bit of a trick of the mind though. Like I I studied um, criminology and social policy at uni and I went and looked at what scares us. What as humans are we all afraid of? And there's five things. This is gonna be the most festive part of the podcast. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so five things. Most humans are afraid of dying. They're afraid of mutilation, like getting your leg bitten off by a shark. Yep. You with me? These are all festive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. On board with all of those things. Yep. Yep. Remember, this is academic research, not my nightmares I'm sharing with you. Third one is we're afraid of loss of autonomy. So being on a ventilator from COVID. We're afraid of separation, losing loved ones. So things to do with our physical health or abilities or being alive and losing the people we love. So those four are super heavy, and hopefully we don't have too much experience with them in everyday life, but the fifth one is the one that changes lives. The fifth one is the one that changes lives daily, it's called ego death. Most humans are afraid of failing, being rejected, getting embarrassed, all those things that keep us in our little comfort zone.
0: Such interesting creatures.
1: Yeah, but it's almost a trick of the mind where I go, oh, I want to say that to you, but I'm not going to because you might think I'm a weirdo or you might think I'm I'm trying to get something from you or that I don't really genuinely want to be your friend just because I've got a business ask or whatever it is. I know this stuff. I watch myself doing it all the time. So the one thing I know for sure from looking at that academic research is, okay, if my brain is hardwired to keep me away from things that are going to be risky, if that's going to make me want to play small. As a competitive kickboxer, a lot about fight or flight, a lot about stress responses in the body. I used to think because my kneecaps would shake, it was because I was a chicken. I didn't know it was just my adrenal response. <laughs> which is literally fight or flight time. So knowing how the brain works, knowing what the physiology of it feels like when you're about to be brave, it's like when you know you're in a group setting, someone's about to hand you a microphone to introduce yourself, and your heart starts pounding and your mouth goes dry. That's normal. It doesn't, but we take it as something's weak about our character. We're not brave. We're not cool. We're not going to do as good a job as her. We want to avoid all this scary stuff about risking Our bodies give us these weird feelings when we do something that's a little out of our comfort zone and we project on how much better everyone else is doing than we are. All of that is this massive motivation to play small, to stay locked in the old comfort zone where it's time to come out of Netflix and chilling in our trackies now at home and we don't want to. (laughs) Everyone wants to stay home because it's easier to just do what's familiar and I'm down with that too. It's It would be way easier. But trust me, in my 30s, getting that diagnosis, it woke me up.
0: Yeah, it would have absolutely woken you up.
1: And unfortunately, it happens all the time. But I'm a big fan of what you do with this? Use the hard stuff that you've been through. Use the things that have made you more resilient over the last few years for a good cause. The problem, and this is again where we love the Brene Brown because she pointed out so clearly That the things that make you the most resilient, that actually build your resilience, at the time make you feel weak, make you feel like you've failed, make you feel like it's not going to work out for you. But when you come out the other side of it, you can look back and see, oh, that is where I learned about getting back up when I'd been knocked down 17 times in two years.
0: Yeah. And it's all learning opportunities. I talk about that a lot as well in saying it, reframing it from being a failure instead of an opportunity to learn, to get back up and keep trying, but try it differently this time and evolve the way that you do things. If you have the passion and determination to take your business to the next level without burning out, which I know you do, and you want to make the best of this year, and for the record, it's totally possible, then you need my framework. The Ready to Rise program will take you from feeling exhausted, overwhelmed and burnt out, to feeling energized, inspired, and ready to grow your business. The overall goal of the Ready to Rise program is simple. It's to equip you with the actionable strategies and frameworks to create a business that lights you up, not burns you out. So that you can enjoy the freedom to do the things and be present with the people that mean the most to you. It's a program specifically for mums looking to leverage their time and productivity to build and grow a business that lights them up is high in profit and low in stress. So why not now? Take action and sign up to the waitlist today and start on the path towards the business and the life that you've been dreaming of. Go to Donahan.com and sign up to the waitlist. Doors open on Tuesday, the 30th of August. Would you mind talking to us a little bit about embracing change and seizing those life-changing moments that getting out of your own way. I know we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but really getting out of your own way and stepping into that arena, another Brene Brown reference, but you know, really stepping
1: in, it's like (laughs) she's the Mr. Miyagi today.
0: She is. Yeah. But really stepping in and, and really owning those wants and those dreams and those desires. And yeah, like, do you have any advice around doing that?
1: One thing I put to people now is if you do nothing, what happens?
0: If you do nothing, well, the way I think, I sort of think longer term on that, but I know you're going to get there, so I don't want to.
1: Well, normally, like today, if I did nothing for my business, for myself, no self-care, no anything, what would happen today? Probably nothing. If you're resisting change, what you're trying to create is a vacuum of nothing usually. You're trying to create same. I just want the same. And when you're in one of those beautiful parts of life where everything's good, it's natural to want to stay in that comfort zone.
0: Yeah, of course, it feels good when you're there.
1: It feels great. That's why it's comfortable. It's, it's fantastic. There's snacks. Your friends are in there. The temperature's just right. Good music on. You'd be mad to not want to stay there. It's like if you have a favorite meal and you eat it every day, or you have a friend that you love to spend time with, but then they come and stay at your house for three months. Over a period of time, maybe this is just me being a meanie, but I want a different meal and you can go to your house now. Thanks for coming. (laughs) So even the best things sometimes, maybe it'd be nice to have a little change. So resisting change, it's just often about wanting to stay safe or wanting to capture in the moment what we have because we like it. When negative stuff happens, I think it is really important to consciously try to positively adapt. Like I was saying to you before, the reason I ended up going through with that TEDx talk On the surface, it seems like a great opportunity. I ask you and all of your listeners, would you do something like that if you had the chance?
0: Absolutely. I'd be shaking in my boots, but I'd do it.
1: Excellent. So I was like, oh, I suppose so. The the further I went in that process, I was like, oh, my God, this is really happening. My old business hat I put on and went, great opportunity. My comfort zone hat that was just trying to even rebuild a comfort zone was like, do not do that. I was still growing my hair out. So I didn't really want everyone staring at me while I had short hair and my body had changed and so many things where I didn't want to be visible. I think that has a lot to do with change as well is how visible we have to be. I didn't want to fail. It was something I hadn't done. Like I wasn't a professional speaker. I hadn't done any speaking since year seven English. When I wrote them a draft and read it to them, they were like, that's great. We think you should be the closing speaker. And I went, are you serious? Like I've never done this before. And they went, yeah, would you do a martial arts demonstration as well? And I went, no, absolutely not. Like I've got enough problems over here with drawing my eyebrows on, like give me a break. (laughs) Anyway, so they may be the closing speaker. So I'm going, okay, one hat, great opportunity. Other hat, I just want to stay in my comfort zone and not have anyone look at me, not have to do anything hard. Like life is hard enough. But these are those moments where you have to make a choice about Are you going to resist the change? Because for me, that change had already happened. My option was if I do nothing, the external part of life, not so bad. How I felt about me at that point wasn't great. So this is the barometer I try to use, the measure I use, decide about what I should do moving forward. A, would I regret not trying on my deathbed one day? That's an excellent framework for me, yes or no. I often go, I will regret not doing this more than I'm scared of trying this. So I decided that was a good thing. And the other way I I try to gauge it is if I do nothing now, am I okay to stay in the comfort zone that I'm in? Or am I actually in an uncomfortable comfort zone?
0: And your book that you wrote is called 10 seconds of courage, right? So I read a quote, it was on your website and it said just it's 10 seconds of courage between you and what you fear, and between where you are and where you want to be. I would really love to know more about this concept of 10 seconds of courage, because even just in what I was talking about and what you were explaining as well, it is that moment of time where you go, okay, what am I going to do next in that pivot of change? So tell us about the concept of 10 seconds of courage and how that helps in life.
1: Well, that was actually the name of the talk that I decided to give at TEDx. So when they said to me, what would you like to talk about this? It was one of the tools that my sensei had given me in training where if you're not brave enough to do the whole thing, maybe you're just brave enough to do one thing just to start. So I ended up becoming a champion kickboxer. But if I reverse engineer that, I had to actually say those words one day to say, Oh, I wonder if I could compete. I wonder if I could start learning how to do that thing. And I remember sitting on the side of the ring when I was younger going, I am never going to be good enough, brave enough, tough enough, strong enough, all of the things I excluded myself. And I think we all do this, especially women, unfortunately, we self-exclude. I can't do that. What my teacher taught me was I can't do that yet. So it's that little burst of courage. That is what changes lives. So in my treatment, I had to take things 10 seconds at a time because some stuff was way too big, way too hard, way too painful, way too scary. So this idea of 10 seconds of courage had literally just saved my life. And I wanted to share that. If that's the one thing I get up there on stage and say, and then I pass out from the fear, (laughs) at least I said that. So that was my intention was to just go and share this thing. Like here's this tool that I've used. It was really helpful for me. I'm going to share it with you guys, anyone that it's helpful for. Yay. My work here is done. So I went into it with good intentions. The idea is 10 seconds of courage to make your mind up to do it. Stay in it for 10 seconds, It's 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 hours, 10 years, however long it takes to get it done. So it's not 10 seconds of courage, everything's perfect. It often takes 10 seconds, like I said, over coffee with my student to say yes to something, to tell yourself, maybe I can keep going. That is the moment that will change everything. It's just that because it doesn't happen with, the trumpets sounding and the bright lights, we don't necessarily realize until many years later. And I encourage the people listening to look back on your life and think about the moment that you said yes to something that got you into the relationship you're in, into the job you're in, living where you live. Every good thing that's ever happened to you, you can take back to one moment. We spend so much time looking forward. We don't go backwards. But that creates, for me, the power of choice. These small choices, I have so much power. We all have so much power to create and it's helpful if we realize how much we do get in our own way. So as much as I didn't want to go and give that talk, I just went, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I practiced my little butt off because that's what I was taught, like make it look easy. How do you make it look easy? You work your butt off until the moment comes for you to stand and deliver. And knowing, going into that experience, that the physiology that comes with those moments is intense. So you will be shaking behind the curtain before you walk out on the stage. You probably will go out and your mouth will go dry and you'll freak out for a second. But it's what you tell yourself in those moments. Remember, you are who you say you are. So if I walk out on stage and my mouth goes dry and I tell myself, I knew you wouldn't be able to do this. You're nervous. Everyone can see. You're going to blow it if that's what I'm thinking, and we think it, they reckon 4,000 words a minute. So that conversation with me takes a fraction of a second, completely messes up your energy. And then you're meant to go and do your business proposal or whatever it is that you're, you're delivering. So the idea of 10 seconds of courage is, was just 10 seconds of courage to say yes, 10 seconds of courage to walk out from behind the curtain, using that tool again, 10 seconds of courage to start actually talking <laughs> and then to share this idea and, The crazy thing is sometimes other people can see what we're capable of so much more than we can see because we've already turned the volume down on ourselves. You are who you say you are. Often we tell ourselves those negative messages, those inner critic messages, and what it stops us seeing is what my teacher calls our brilliance, how amazing we are because that's not how most people's brains work. So they could see what was about to happen when I walked out from behind the curtain. I had no idea. So I went out there with the best of intentions to share this tool with people that had really been helpful for me. I knew I couldn't go and give a talk about courage when I knew that the reality was I was terrified. I wasn't terrified of the speech. I'd called them a week before and said, look, right, demonstration of martial arts you wanted me to do. I'm going to do it. i had been saying no for two months. <laughs> and they went, great, what are you going to do? You're going to get some big dude and like, oh, yeah, I'll throw him on the ground. and." I was like, no, I don't wanna, I don't want to involve anyone else. It's not gonna go well. So I, if you watch it on YouTube, like put my little name or 10 seconds of courage into YouTube, you can see this TEDx talk. I look fine, but it's a year after treatment. I was still so weak, I couldn't open a bottle of water. So my reality had really changed. So they didn't know I couldn't get some big dude and throw him on the ground. And as they were talking about being a strong woman, I couldn't do that, but I looked all right. So The reason I wanted to do the demonstration was the 10 seconds of courage for me. It was all about how I felt inside. It was all about the story I was telling myself about the future I was going to create. I didn't want to get caught in what I'd lost and what had gone wrong for me. I wanted to be able to tell myself a story where I believed in myself again, where I believed I was going to be able to create something positive for my future. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a a wooden board break, a martial arts one. Because that's not about how strong you are. That's about who you believe you are, what you tell yourself. So if you're, and this is like business, if you're about to give a pitch for something and you walk into that room and the last thought you think before you open your mouth is, I don't think I can do this. Guess what? You act out. You act out. I can't do it. But if your belief is strong, I can do this. This is going to grow so well. I'm going to get on this podcast with Donna today and we're going to smile at each other. It's going to be awesome. If that's my belief system, it'll probably go a lot better. And if I'm telling myself, Donna doesn't like me, she feels sorry for me. That's the only reason she invited me on today because of my business and all the messages. That's not what I was telling myself, but do you know what I mean? Like the crazy stuff that no one else would ever know we tell ourselves. So I won't tell you what happened, but it was a life-changing moment on stage for me that day. And then I got a call the next day saying, would you like to do that for a living? And I said, is that a job? I didn't even know it was a job. I'd never been to a conference. I had no idea that professional speaking was a career.
0: Yeah, wow. And that's really tricky too because if you haven't seen a lot of other people doing those kinds of things, it's then hard to know well, what. how does this roll, what am I supposed to do, what's the expectations, all that kind of stuff.
1: I didn't know how to do it. I knew I had like I really liked Brene Brown's talk, so there's a line in my talk that pays respect to her because I liked the way she did her talk. So I believe in learning from people who have experience. So I learned what I could and then This is really important. I went with my gut. My gut knew exactly what to say and how to say it. I don't know how, but I did believe in listening to my gut firmly. I would rather listen to my gut ninety-nine times out of a hundred and be wrong than to not listen to myself. That knowing that you talked about.
0: Yeah, that inner knowing is really important and so powerful. And I think we squash it down far too much. We shouldn't squash it down at all, but it's almost like a habitual thing that we go. Oh, no.
1: We're taught not to listen to it, but if you talk about women's intuition, most people will nod and go, "Yep, I'm with you." But we're taught not to listen to it because it's woo-woo or fluffy, or we have a negative bias as well. So if 19 times it goes right and one time it goes wrong, guess what our brain attaches to? It? Attached to yep. the negative. I knew I yeah. shouldn't listen to my gut. <laughs> we forget the other times at work so that's why I want to make so clear I just went with my gut my gut said do this talk even though it was the last thing on earth I felt like doing my gut said talk about this concept and at the last minute my gut said you need to do a demonstration the talk went well the demonstration I think was the life-changing moment because that's what helped everyone to connect their hearts to what I was saying not just their heads I was shocked by the emotion displayed by the audience. It blew me away in real time. It's hilarious watching the video because I'm watching it happen. And I'm going, oh my God. Like I couldn't believe what was happening because I could only see it from my side. But like I said, the curator behind the curtain knew exactly what was about to happen because she had experience. So when I got a call the next day saying, would you like to do that? It was a call from the CEO of the biggest speakers bureau in Australia who had been in, in the Opera House. So I did my first public speaking event in front of two and a half thousand people at the Opera House. So it took that 10 seconds of courage over and over and over again. But I could have stayed home that day, hun. I would have been better, easier, and probably a more rational idea for me to just stay home and recover from the cancer. But you got to take swings at life. You got to take big swings sometimes. I don't say, I don't act like I was cool about it at all. Like I intentionally created this career for myself. I said yes to a friend over a coffee, thinking I could probably get out of it if that's actually what happened. (laughs) And then when the moment came, I decided to risk it all, to risk failing publicly. I was an undefeated fighter. I wasn't used to failing with people watching, but I decided I feel so knocked down within myself that it's going to take a gigantic swing to get back up if that gut feeling is true. Otherwise, probably couldn't get knocked down further than I already am. So, eh, fuck it. (laughs) May as well just take a chance. And in our business, how many times have you heard that your story, is the most important thing about your business. And what I didn't realize was my story was my business. But talking about our mindset, our thoughts and our feelings in business, it sounds like you know the soft skills and the hard skills are the, the actual doing. Oh my goodness, like I get brought into these companies to close their conferences. And what I'm talking about is full contact. I'm talking about how they feel. Imagine walking into News Corp and talking to a male-dominated room about their feelings. So they bring me in thinking, she's going to tell a story about sports, everyone. you know. So I presented in this, this package where they think that they know where it's going. But really what I'm there to talk about is how the thoughts we think that often aren't true change the course of our lives. How the way we feel about ourselves that we're not necessarily aware we have the power to change. The way that we feel about ourselves will dictate every decision we make and what we go after and what we don't go after moving forward. That is no joke. And some of the companies I've been brought in to talk to, there is a lot of squirming going on. Then by the end of it, there are tears and cheering. But this stuff is, to me, the real full contact, knockdown, drag out fight that we all have. The most important fight that any of us are ever going to win or lose is within ourselves in your business, what you decide to go after, what you believe will happen, the things you say yes to, the, the opportunities you let pass by are everything. And that's about your relationship with yourself and putting time into changing your thinking where you need to and putting time into feeling good about ourselves. So making that little bit of extra time away from the business and the kids for self-care, because It seems like a fluffy, soft thing to do, but the reality is if you're so burnt out that you can't fully deliver, you might say no to having a coffee with someone that could have been the thing that changed your future because really you just needed a massage on Sunday so you'd feel pumped enough to say yes on Tuesday. All of those things can be life-changing. It's just that we don't realise it necessarily.
0: Yeah, so it's about really becoming more aware and inviting those opportunities in and taking those 10 seconds of courage. It has been amazing talking to you, Nadine, and I could talk to you for days and days and days. Obviously we connect on a whole lot of more than I thought, you know, when we initially had that chat in Uluru and now after speaking to you, all the different connections that we have in the mindset and all of that. So I'm sure that there'll be more chats between us, but I just really want to thank you for your time today and sharing all of your your wisdom and wisdom passed down to you from other people. And I would love for you to tell everyone who's listening where they can get more of you, your book, your services, the course that you've got coming out, Where can where's the best place to find all of that info?
1: If you go to nadinechampion.com so N-A-D-I-N-E, Normal Champion Spelling withinchampion.com. You can watch my TEDx talk. You can buy a signed copy of my book. There's free resources on there. There's a courage checklist. So if you're not quite sure if you're ready to be brave about something, there's a 10 step checklist that you can do to help you make your mind up and stay tuned for my courage course coming in the coming months. But there's lots of, lots of good things that you can bring into your own headspace. And what I would love to, to challenge from my heart to yours and your listeners just challenge them to use their 10 seconds of courage today in even the tiniest way. So it might just mean I am going to go and make myself that cup of tea and just look out the window for five minutes and just breathe and connect. Or I'm going to call someone and say, I just listened to this podcast. She was talking about who's in your corner. I just want you to know I'm in your corner and will you be mine? Little things, but also if there's something you're putting off that you want to back yourself over, maybe take a little swing at it today, because The beautiful thing with courage is the more often you use it in little spurts, the more experience you have, the better you get at it. If you rarely use it except for those big moments, it doesn't come so easy. So I encourage everyone, take it on, use it in a small way and then get more experience so that you can use it in the moments that really matter.
0: Oh, thanks, Nadine. It's been such a powerful chat.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks, Donna.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the She's in Business podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it on Instagram and Facebook, and I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review on iTunes. Be sure to include your business name and Insta handle so I can give you a shout out too. If you want to know more about what I do, the programs that I offer, then head over to www.donnahan.com and follow me on Instagram at Donna underscore Han underscore S-I-B. I hope this podcast inspires you to be courageous and take action in carving out your very own business by design, where you can avoid burnout and shine like the universe
1: is yours.